0: Good morning, New City. It's good to be worshiping with you this morning, virtually. This uh, past week, my family and I uh, finally took down our Christmas decorations. Uh, we like to live in the moment of Christmas, the season of Christmas, as long as possible. And, and as we were doing this, I, I've been reflecting on what the Christmas season uh, was like this year because it was so different from uh, previous years. And one of the ways in which it was different for us, and I'm sure it was different for many of you, is that we didn't gather in large family uh, groups like we do most years. Most years, we will celebrate as a small nuclear family, but we'll also get together with our extended family uh, in this area. I'm sure many of you do the same. Some of you maybe even travel to go and be with your family in other states or spend time with your in-laws. For some of you, you gotta travel long distances and then you're staying for two, three, four, maybe even a week uh, at a time with your families. And when we do something like this, it can bring up a, a range of emotions for us. For a lot of people, there's a lot of excitement about going back home, but for others, there can be some trepidation about seeing family members and being back in the mix of our family of origin or the larger family system uh, that we grew up in or that our spouse was a part of if we're going to in-laws. And it may be, you know, stronger in the positive or more negative sense from year to year. I mean, maybe in one year you're going back and your brother's not going to be there so it's not that big a deal but when he is going to be there you notice you're a little bit more anxious because of this latent sibling rivalry that exists between the two of you or or maybe uh you notice that you feel different when you're spending a couple of days with your family versus your in-laws you can notice the difference in, in what happens within you and, and whether you're looking forward to that or whether you're dreading that you may feel differently whether or not you're going to a Christmas dinner and your politically outspoken uncle is going to be there or that cousin that you've got this kind of unsure what it is tension with, you always end up seeing, sharing sharp words with one another or, or maybe you have been sort of holding on to this long-term conflict with a parent and you've stopped calling and and now you haven't seen each other for so long and going back for a a family holiday brings up a lot of fear and anxiety. Many of us have experienced this in past years. Maybe you relished taking a Christmas holiday season off this past year from seeing family members and and maybe for some of you, you're not having this so intensely and so you really miss seeing family. The reality is for most of us, when we go back and we spend time with our family of origin, Stuff can get brought up. Emotional stuff can come out. And psychologists who write about family dynamics, one of the things that they say is that emotional maturity at its best is measured in how we behave when we go and spend time with our family of origin. We're all kind of growing up trying to become, at least adults are, but kids too, growing up trying to become the person we want to be this healthy emotionally mature individual but our true maturity is measured by who we are when we're back with our families go back home spend a few days with your family in your childhood home living with your parents and many of us will start to revert to our childhood self and this is a good indicator of our kind of lagging emotional maturity and if you, when you go back home, revert to that rebellious self that, that's always arguing with your domineering father, or, or maybe you become compliant and submissive to your manipulative mother, or, or maybe you go back home and you just stop cooking, cleaning, and generally taking care of yourself and expect to be weighted on hand and foot, these are all little indicators about our own emotional maturity, how grown up we are so far. And I once heard a world-renowned psychologist and author, he actually is started his own college uh, based on some of his teaching and he talked about how one time he went home with his wife this was after his kids were grown up and out of the house it was just he and his wife who were going back to stay with his mom and a couple days in his wife turns to him and asks him will you be going to bed at 8 p.m tonight if so i'm going to make other plans to go and do something he said what are you talking about i'm not going to bed at 8 p.m and she said, well, you know, every night since we got back home to your mother's house, you've been going to bed at 8 p.m. as if you're in grade school. And he was unaware that he was even doing this. It was kind of happening on this unconscious level. He, he remembered from childhood his, his mom needed to sort of shut the house down for everything to feel safe and normal around 8 p.m. And everybody had to go to their bedrooms and go to bed. And he just sort of naturally started doing this as a grown man, reverted back to this behavior as soon as he got back under his parents' roof. And this speaks to the outsized role that our parents play in shaping who we become. Not necessarily a bad thing. But it speaks to this massive influence that they have in shaping who we are. A testament to the degree that our identity and what we do and how we live is shaped by our parents. And their expectations on us. This example of going to bed at 8 is kind of a silly example—but it happens. These expectations from our parents, or or the influence that they have had on us, can can really have significant impacts in the way we live our lives and the people we become. I wonder how many people are stuck in jobs that was their parents' dream for them, not their own. Or how many of us struggle to take risks because we don't want to fail in front of our parents? Or how many spousal fights are the result of a parental anxiety that was transferred to us long ago that we haven't been able to let go of? There are many serious and painful realities in our daily lives, much more significant than just going to bed at 8 p.m. when you visit home that bind us and keep us from becoming the people that god has created and called us to be to keep us from hearing god's word to us and then going out and and doing that word because we're bound to parental expectations or parental anxieties growing up following god's word for our life god's call on our life becoming the person we were created and called to be requires an an emotional maturity that is defined by us moving past and getting some freedom from the expectations and anxiety that we've inherited from our parents. This doesn't mean we cast our parents off or dishonor them or don't listen to them. There's probably nobody in the world who will love us the way our parents love us. But it means that we're not bound by their expectations. Growing up requires us to to learn how to listen to God's voice to us and then respond to it with a level of freedom that we have to have from parental expectation or anxiety. And what I find so remarkable about the passage that Chris just read for us is the degree to which Jesus exhibits this even at the age of 12. Already it's like he understands all of this complex emotional family dynamics that are happening, and yet he sort of transcends that, or he is able to transcend that, the expectations of his parents, the the, the prospect of disappointing his parents, because he knows who he is, and he knows what it is that God has called him to. At 12 years old, Jesus shows you and me what it looks like to be an emotionally mature adult. We're in the second week of a sermon series on the life of Jesus, and basically the premise is this. You and I are disciples of Jesus. We're we're following the way that he is, living as a human being in this world, believing that he shows us the way to abundant life, the life of joy and peace and hope. And so we're kind of going through these stories semi-chronologically, and this in week two, here we are, and Jesus is 12 years old, and in our story from Luke 2, we can see how already by age 12, Jesus is, really has something for us as adults, and if you're a kid, for kids as well, where we can learn how to be in these very meaningful, powerfully shaping relationships with our families of origin. Before we get into that, just a little bit of historical context. So Jesus is traveling. He's living in Nazareth at this point in time. And he's traveling to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And the Passover feast is a celebration of the Exodus. And it's a festival feast that would have lasted seven days. And kind of the way it is here where everything shuts down on one day for Christmas Day. well, it would have been like that in Jerusalem where it shuts down for like seven days? And so for this is a, a Christmas holiday get-together with your extended family on steroids, probably more significant than many of us uh, have ever experienced. If you've gone and done a, a huge family reunion for like seven days, then you probably have a taste of what this is like. But all they're doing this whole time is just being together as a family and worshiping God and eating and celebrating, commemorating God's love for them, God's saving act for them in the Exodus. And then on the final day of the festival, they start to head back. And they're heading back in this large caravan, all the family still together. And it's so much of a community event that Mary and Joseph are able to go for like 20 to 25 miles, talking with one another and maybe some other friends and family members, before they are even aware that Jesus hasn't joined the caravan. So after searching high and low for them among their relatives and family members, they realize they've got to head back. To Jerusalem and try and find Jesus and at some point on the third day they finally find him I I have no idea how many different places they looked before discovering that he was in the temple for three days he's hidden from them and when they find him he's safe in the temple with God and in an instant Mary and Joseph must have the text tells us they experienced some strong emotions I think mean, we read this in verses four, verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, "Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why have you done this to me? caused all these negative emotions? Caused me to feel all this anxiety. Why have you treated me this way? Sounds just like a conversation out of a typical Christmas family holiday get-together. Somebody does something, somebody else is offended, they take it personally and say, why would you do this to me? The other person's like, what did I do? I don't know. This is what's happening here. Mary and Joseph saying, how could you do this to us? Don't you know how important this is to your father? Don't you know how important this is to your mother? Don't you know how bad this looks? You know how people are talking. Jesus has transgressed a parental expectation. He didn't rebel against it, but he just—he wasn't cued in to not disappointing them. He was cued into something else. He was focused on something else that was core to his purpose, and he was responding. To that he's living into this life that he's starting to discover that he is called and created to live and as he does that he violates this parental expectation that Mary and Joseph have and they feel a lot of anxiety they feel hurt why have you treated us this way why have you hurt us why have you wounded us And they're probably thinking Jesus has like sinned against them or done something, but he hasn't. He's just not beholden to their expectations. He's not bound to them. And what we see here is is there's this secret that Jesus is revealing to us. And it looks so abnormal in the context because this is not the way our typical family life operates you and i often grow up thinking if we disappoint our parents we have sinned we have done something wrong but jesus is showing us that there's something deeper going on and so we can learn how to follow jesus in this simple family interaction that happens when he's 12 years old and this seeker is revealed when he responds to them they say why have you done this to me and and he says didn't you know I had to be in my Father's house? Didn't you know that the core purpose and calling of who I am is rooted and is born out of this intimacy with my Father, dwelling in my Father's house? I love this statement. This is the statement that I've been sitting with this week. Didn't you know that I had to be in my Father's house? Didn't you know I had to be with God? It's not a, didn't you know I had to create these five, you know, st- or do these five steps or create this action plan? There's not, nothing super specific here, but it's more about him, didn't you know I had to be in this intimate relationship with my father? Because this is how I know fully who I am and how to live. So Jesus is showing us this model of how to, to be that way at age 12, but this is really just foreshadowing stuff that's going to come later in his life about 20-some years later, when he's in his early 30s, the same dynamic plays out again with his family. In Luke 8, verses 19 to 21, Jesus is in the middle of teaching, doing ministry. We read this, Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And the implication here is wanting to kind of pull them back in. And he replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. This is how Jesus shows us this way to emotional maturity, becoming the person God's called and created us to be, to grow up and become adults. He shows it to us at age 12 in the temple. He shows it to us here when he's stepping out into ministry, into a new vocation for the first time. His purpose... The way that he knows what to do is by slowing down and being with his father in heaven listening to his voice listening to god's word to him and then doing it he's not slowed down or hampered by the expectations the things that bind him from his family of origin he is rooted in, and, and discerns his purpose and calling By listening to God's voice of love, hearing that word to him, and then doing it. He's able to pause, hear God's voice saying to him, You are my child, and I love you. With you, I am well pleased. This is what God's voice sounds like. And when we slow down to listen for God's voice and hear God's word to us, then we know what to do. Then we know the way to go. Then we know how to live. Because we have heard God's voice of love, and then we can discern the way of love forward. So the question to you and to me as we seek to be disciples of Jesus, following his example of what it means to live the abundant life, quintessential human life, is can you do this? Are you making decisions, being controlled by all these expectations that were placed on you or were formed in you from your culture or your family of origin? Or are you able to slow down and hear this voice of God, this voice of love, word of god coming to you and then discern what it is to do the way of love going forward one of the best examples of figuring out how to listen and learn from this voice of love and then discern all these expectations and 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 family binds and bounds that keep us from responding to this voice of love and living a voice of love comes from pete scazzaro's book emotionally healthy spirituality which we've done here Uh, before multiple times and he's got this section in his book where he talks about family of origin and one of the best parts of that is when he creates what he calls the 10 commandments of his family of origin and um, this is from his family where he's basically um, saying these were sort of the unwritten rules they weren't always spoken but you sort of discerned them as you you grew up and I have a slide that they're going to go up here And so he, I'm gonna just go through this really quickly. You can kind of look, I've showed this slide before, but it's such a great example, I wanted to show it again. And your family of origin may be different than that. There are similarities maybe, and he's an Italian American, uh, so his parents or grandparents were Italian immigrants. If that's in your history, maybe some of that resonates with you, but maybe some of them would be different for you. But there was rules about money. Money is your best source of security. That was sort of the Ten Commandments. And so that was intuited into him, and then you trust in that, and then that guided the decisions that he makes. The more money you have, the more important you are. Make lots of money to prove you've made it. Um, Relationships, number seven. Don't trust people, they'll let you down. Some of you, that was a rule from your family. Success, number nine. It's getting into the best schools, making lots of money, is getting married and having children. These are rules that have been handed to us that are not consistent with the gospel. This is the the, the rules that, that have been given to us and they can bind us and keep us from living free lives and discerning what God is calling us to. Feelings and emotion, you're not allowed to have certain feelings. Vulnerability is a great example of one we often feel we're not allowed to have. Sadness. Anger is usually okay. Most people are allowed to have anger. So, these are, this is an example for, that he came up with. It would be interesting, maybe, for you to consider to, to sit down and, and take some prayerful time and try and write out your own family of origin Ten Commandments. You could use that same uh, rubric for the top you know, whatever the, t- the subheading was, money or success or relationships, but then come up with specific statements. If you want that, I can email you that graphic. Uh, and I wonder what you would come up with. In our passage for today, Jesus is showing us what it looks like to be a healthy adult. And at the core of being a healthy adult, is being able to listen to god's word to us to be able to spend time in god's house that's kind of metaphor for just being in prayerful intimacy with the lord and listening to him hearing this voice of love and then we know what to do we know how to act we know how to live and so for you i wonder what what can you do to listen for God's voice, to to hear his word of love to you so that you know the way of love and you know what to do. Tomorrow is MLK Day, and... Uh, I remember years ago when I read a biography called Parting the Waters of MLK and when I was reading that it was because he has increasingly become a hero in our culture someone that a lot of people young activists old activists a lot of people who want to make a difference in our world are looking to him as a model he's seen as someone who has spoken out for justice and for truth and for the downtrodden and the oppressed and I think a lot of times we, we look at him and there's this temptation, well, I want to be like him. I want to, I want to call people out or, or speak out for justice. And a lot of what's happening within us in those moments can be we're just kind of copying him. We're not hearing God's voice to us responding. We're just, we're just sort of mimicking this external behavior. And when we do that, that's really more a product of us being bound by something from our childhood, this need to be important or special or good or successful or seen by others. But when I read this biography about MLK a long time ago, one of the things that struck me was just how important intimacy with his Father in Heaven was. He was a pastor at heart. Fundamentally, everything that, came, that he did in his life was rooted in his spiritual relationship with his Father in Heaven. He, he went on to get a PhD in theology. He had years of his life studying theology because he was so passionate about knowing and hearing from God. So if you want to be like MLK the the call isn't to go out and copy his life. The invitation is to follow his example of living your life and my life out of this intimacy with our Father in heaven. When we can hear God's voice of love to me personally and, and to you personally, then we can know what to do. We have the courage, because we're rooted in love, to speak the truth and to go the way of truth. Jesus shows us what it means to be a mature adult. We're not bound by the expectations of others, whether that's coworkers or your family of origin or your culture. But we can hear the voice, God's word of love coming to us, and then we know what to do. We know who we are called and created to be. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, nourish our souls with your presence. Help us to hear the voice of your Spirit calling out the voice of love today.